2: Tell Laddie the Haddy Hook, the Haddy Hook, Happily Ever After. Tell Laddie the Haddy Hook, the Haddy Hook, Tell Laddie the Haddy Happily Ever After. Tell Laddie the the Princess, she walk happily home. Tell Laddie the Haddy Ho, she live happily ever after. Hello, everyone, welcome back to What the Folklore, Making Sense of Senseless Tales. I am your storyteller, Carmen.
0: Crime Weaver Tyler.
1: I'm Gordy. Uh do you want to do another interest survey? Sure. Or or sh- or do I want a name?
0: <laughs> I don't know, do you? Could do both. Sure, it's episode four hundred. Let's go crazy.
2: Yeah, like, wild Episode four hundred.
1: Two two intros. Uh I'm gonna be I'm gonna be Lionel linoleum this week.
2: Okay. Man, you really you forsaken carpets. You're like <laughs> a fallen carpet paladin.
1: Carpet burn is harsh. And what's our survey? Uh, we're we're gonna I'm, I'm gonna present to you again some topics that we could talk about. This, well, not this week, probably never, <laughs> but that we could could theoretically talk about sometime. Sure, hypothetical uh,
2: conversations. Just
1: just in the future, things that people are are really hot on this year.
2: I think these are great for like the weeks where we miss an episode. You can just think about what we would have talked about <laughs> on one of these said. topics yeah
0: <laughs> Number one the war of 1812 I'm giving that a solid
2: 11 I give it a, a purple
1: purple and and what was your rating Tyler a solid 11 okay uh Paul Ashworth the English football manager.
2: Uh,
0: yellow green. I'll give that a field goal. <laughs>
1: a, fi- a field goal. Uh, and and lastly, the exploits of Idi
0: Amin, dictator. Uh, that's a that's deer jerky for me.
2: Oh, I was gonna do a meat stick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is. It is always. So it is dub- always a double... year for for meats of all sorts.
2: Yeah, double meat stick for that one, I guess. <laughs>
0: Double meat stick. Okay, promising. Well, as it is episode four hundred, I do have a special surprise for the both of you.
2: I do love surprises most of the time from you, dubious, but I will. I'm open.
0: I knew this was a big episode, so we had to go. We had to go big on this one, and I pulled a lot of strings for this to happen. So I want to introduce Did you both to. Is it Idi Amin dictator? It is not. No, from it from is better, if you can believe it.
1: Better than than the Brutal
0: Dictator. I would like to introduce you both to the little Jerry Seinfeld that lives in my brain.
3: It's me, the little Jerry Seinfeld that formerly lived in Tyler's brain and is not actually Jerry Seinfeld.
0: Pulled some strings, got him out. It's Jerry Seinfeld. You know him, you love him.
3: It's just Jerry.
2: Hey! Well, hello, Jerry.
0: (laughs)
1: Welcome. Welcome, Jerry.
2: Thanks for feeding Tyler so many jokes. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah well i don't know if you guys know this but tyler's brain is actually a union production and so uh the strikes in 2023 meant contractually i was unable to work so uh, it sort of works out that i'm pulled out now because financially it just makes more sense if the u.s government perceives me as a human being not <laughs> a figment of tyler's imagination so it's, it's all for tax part purposes. for taxes yeah yeah, yeah. yeah exactly yeah, yeah. And I've been in there about five years. I feel like I've missed a lot in the world. <laughs> um, you yeah, haven't missed too much. Yeah, nothing big, I hope.
0: I'll fill you in later. Okay. Yeah, I'll catch yeah. you up <laughs> on what's uh, been happening since 2018.
2: I'm sure Tyler's like at least filled you in on the references, Hopefully. like the pop Probably culture about things. about what you'd expect.
0: <laughs> so that's my big surprise. Carmen, what do you got?
2: What do I got? Yeah, Nothing that cool. I just have a small Cricket story, uh, which is an update in the Cricket-Freybug intern relationships. Uh, We're getting uh, all the lore today. Yeah. Uh, so this morning, Freybug was on the bed, where it's the only place that she is just off-duty. Um, anything can happen, and she does not care. She has a pillow and a blankets, and the world can fuck itself. Uh, and Cricket was in rare form, very much wanting attention. And it's the only time that Freybug is not at all interested in Cricket. So, Cricket stood up on the end of the bed, uh, reached over, and just booped Freybug on the nose. (laughs) And that is a first in their relationship.
0: How long have they known each other?
2: Uh, four years? How many is (laughs) Freybug? Yeah. Four years, I want to say.
0: Does that even count as a baby step?
2: Uh... (laughs) It's a boop step. I mean, she's had a bigger <laughs> step. She she did once chase Freybug out of a room, which was sure. hilarious.
0: <laughs> that takes confidence.
2: Yeah, so Cricket is like growing into herself. Um, she's going into twenty twenty four feeling very big and strong, and and boopable. Um, and Freybug did not know what to make of being booped on the nose by the cat. <laughs> she, her- she like. <laughs>
0: took her four years to realize that just about any stimulus will terrify this dog.
2: <laughs> that is true. She is afraid of mail and <laughs> uh, certain lights and a leaf touching her butt gently in the fall breeze. Uh, all Kirk those things. has been things wielding a lot of
0: power that she did not realize she had.
2: <laughs> um. So yeah, Fre- Freva got boobed and then she just like took, st- struck her head back and then looked at me for an explanation. Like, why happened, mother? <laughs> what do so that is that is intern news today a big step for the two of them
0: so what kind of story's cooking
2: oh a rutabaga kind <laughs> got a rutabaga in the oven
0: also we have done many more episodes than 400 if you include the ramble casts and the bonus recordings and all that but it does feel like a momentous occasion today it All it does.
2: Same. This is a big number. Like this is more number than a year has in days, um, <laughs> we which I, we've been, we've been there for a bit. But this is sure. like a, a round and even version of that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Thanks for listening to us for this long. Uh, very brave of you.
0: Some of you many more times than once through.
2: Yeah.
1: For some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Th- thank you to the i don't know nine or so who are still listening i might be high
0: keeping those download numbers up for us
3: well now that i'm outside of will... the brain i can use my own phone to download so that's one more yeah that's been very helpful oh, actually. yeah that's gotten the numbers up pretty high yeah
0: and I do I do need to recommend to everyone, do delete every episode after you listen to it and then re-download it when you want to listen to it again.
2: Unless you want the early catalog yeah, unless episodes, you want. because apparently uh, 400 episodes is too many for a lot of the aggregate sites to pull all of them, so...
0: Yeah, if you're on Apple, you're missing, like, the first 20 episodes now, so just go to the website and maybe archive them on your own computer if you want to keep them.
2: Put them on a laser disc
0: that's what we deserve
2: <laughs> get him on a floppy I don't think we could fit him on a floppy
0: how much would it cost us to add that to the store a, flop- a floppy disk with, all, with all of our episodes
1: <laughs> I I think you're going to need a, a suite of floppies yeah, like, it, you're, like you're playing Riven in 2003
0: <laughs> it's going to be like Encyclopedia Britannica or whatever
2: alright I feel like you're delaying the inevitable
0: I don't know what you mean.
2: Don't don't you want a rutabaga?
0: You know, that's a tricky question, because uh, it's a real crapshoot of whether or not we're going to get out of this one alive.
2: It's just a small rutabaga this time. <laughs> Does that help?
0: It doesn't. Carl Sandberg is a powerful man.
2: He is. I really don't understand his brain, but he is fascinating.
0: He, he can sneak any number of hexes into limited amount of space.
2: I mentioned this yesterday when we were playing D&D, but... Uh... I I think my answer for the college question of who you would talk to is definitely (laughs) Carl Sandburg at this point. I just want to know what his mouth says in a real life situation. So this is, uh, we're still in chapter one of the first book of Rutabaga Tales.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
2: Chapter one, to remind you, is called Three Stories About the Finding of the Zigzag Railroad, the Pigs with Bibs On, the Circus Clown Ovens, the Village of Liver and Onions, the Village of Cream Puffs.
3: That is chapter one material. What <laughs> yeah, is chapter that's... two? <laughs> uh, I could look it up.
2: Uh, uh, so chapter two is five stories about the potato face blind man.
0: Just
1: the so,
2: one.
0: The one guy? Yeah, but he gets but five, five stories. stories. about him.
2: Yeah, all of this crap gets only three stories.
0: So you said we got three stories about a bunch of stuff, and I only remember the circus clown yeah, ovens. We've... And we've maybe all... the, that cream puffs one. Uh, we've he- did we've did heard we of the cream village Puff of onions, oh, yeah. uh,
2: we've, and we've we maybe heard of the cream puffs. I don't think so though. Uh, yeah, we have read chapter one, how they broke away to go to the rutabaga country, and I think we've read some random ones from later on. Maybe, uh, but I'm just going to go in order from this point and <laughs> skip over. Uh, I think we read how the hat ashes shovel helps Snoofu. That sounds very familiar. What? And I, I, know, I don't recognize
1: a, a single word you said.
2: I know we've read the story of Jason Squiff and why he had a popcorn hat, popcorn mittens, and popcorn shoes. You don't forget that one. Yeah, that, that was one. the entry point. Oh, and I think we also read Bixi Bimber and the Power of the Gold Buckskin Wincher.
0: We did read that one.
2: Um, but the um, How They Broke Away to Go to Rutabaga Country was the one with the clown ovens. Yes. Um, the characters, ask me no questions, give me the axe, and please give me. Um, of
0: course who could forget those classic yeah. characters
2: um yeah that one that one was a a tale uh that one also had the pigs with bibs on don't will, recall feel I like will. i
0: should but i do not
2: you should i'm gonna give you the image because i feel like this is something that you would use in your day-to-day life there you go. <laughs> pigs with bibs on neither of
0: those is a pig <laughs>
2: They're they're pig-esque.
0: One of those is a bullfrog with a pig face, and the other one is corn. <laughs> corn wearing a bib.
2: It's, it's a Sandberg pig. <laughs> um, so today we're going to learn about um, how the they bring back the village of cream puffs when the wind blows it away. It the, sounds
0: very Floridian.
2: The question that's been burning... At the top of all of our minds.
0: Why do they keep bringing it back to the same place? That's where the wind is.
2: Just like, yeah, let the lit wind take it.
0: <laughs> and wherever it lands, that's where you live now, because the wind ain't there.
2: That would be a fun way, like, that's a good traveling village kind of situation. Think of yeah. all the, like, you could get all sorts of fun new trade opportunities. It's a missed opportunity for the
0: airbenders, actually, because they should have been nomadic.
2: All right, so let's learn about cream puffs. Can't wait. A girl named Wingtip the S- came to the village of Liver and Onions.
0: She's titled.
2: Yeah, she is the S***.
1: Okay, uh, early point of order. That That is a racial slur. Is it? I, I don't know. Probably not in this context, but but it does Can sound a exactly like one. one. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. So I,
1: I, I don't know if we're going to want to say it over and over. It's
2: <laughs> a great note. That is a good note. Alright, we're going to call her wingtip the squick. <laughs> as, <laughs> Much as far better. as I know, that's, that's no, fine. No nope. <laughs> Yes. Um, yeah, so... I we can edit that out or keep the the information if you want. I don't know. I will bleep
0: it. It's episode 400. We'll bring back the bleeps.
2: Sounds good. All right, so yeah, Carl Carl Sandberg has an objectionable name for this character that I did not know was a word that racists have ruined. Um <laughs>
3: They've taken so many. It's They have taken a lot. Like they're just hiding
2: everywhere. Um I don't think this is what Carl Sandburg means by that. I think it's just a sound his mouth made.
3: <laughs>
2: Which seems to be how he'd do things. Alright, so Wingtip the Squit came to the village of Win- Liver and Onions. She's visiting her uncle and her uncle's uncle on her mother's side, and her uncle and her uncle's uncle on her father's side.
0: I am not going to keep track of any of that.
2: Uh, There's four uncles, that's all. It is. Good heavens, all right, the cat's here. Episode
3: 400, Return of Intern Cricket. Now you're quiet. (laughs) Is she ever going to get promoted? It's been 400 episodes. Yeah, she did her damn job. Yeah, she
0: does need to earn it. She has achieved 15 points out of 100 for her promotion.
3: I mean, just by being here this long, (laughs) she should have a pension or something. (laughs)
0: She does not get a paycheck, but she does have a pension.
3: Yeah, uh, she won't murp if I'm holding her.
2: That's the rules, apparently.
0: Even if you squeeze.
2: Even if I squeeze, she just like sits there staring angrily <laughs> into the microphone. <laughs> and this is why she won't get promoted. She only screams underneath its uh its uh, listening power. Alright, so the first time her four uncles got a chance to see her, they were super proud of her blue eyes. No other accomplishments, just like, damn, those blue eyes.
0: Good job, you did it. That's the thing (laughs) that you did. It's within your power to control.
2: Uh, so they wax on and on about how her eyes are like cornflowers with blue raindrops and, like, a lot of other descriptors that are not necessary. Like, they just keep going. Uh... And every uncle says the same exact phrase. Carl Sandberg is paid by the word, and no <laughs> one's checking to see if, if they're different ones.
0: Yeah, nobody said which words.
2: <laughs> uh, Wingtip didn't listen or hear anything about what they said about her eyes, but when they weren't listening to her, she said, These are sweet uncles, and I'm gonna have a sweet time.
0: Here in Onion Village.
2: Yeah. Uh, so all four uncles say, Hey, can we ask you two questions? First, the first, and second, the second.
0: Were those the questions?
2: No, they're just making sure that she understands that the order of the questions is going to be the order of questions you expect. And again, I think this is more proof that he's if Sandberg is paid by the word.
1: <laughs> it's the kind of shit I hate from Uncle. <laughs>
2: <laughs> questions.
1: These kinds of questions, yeah. Every every Thanksgiving,
2: <laughs> it always it's comes first. Up. The
1: first and second, the second.
2: Like just switch it up every night now and then. Ask the second question first. See how that makes you feel. Uh, Wingtip says, yeah, make it 50 any morning. I like listening to questions. They slip in one ear and out the other. So my guess is that the characterization characterization of Wingtip is that she doesn't listen to anybody who isn't herself. I don't know if that's the intended characterization, but that is my impression. So the first question is, where do you come from? Which is something that you would think the uncles uncles would would know.
0: know. (laughs)
2: the second question is why Who do you, you have <laughs> why are you here uh why do you have two freckles on your chin
0: you got me uncles
2: <laughs> are these the questions your uncles ask you at, at thanksgiving gordy
1: all the time and every year i have to explain genetics to them <laughs> that's why gordy grew a beard
2: just to hide the freckles just, just stop to stop making powerpoints. Cover,
1: cover, cover them up <laughs> they carry around a big card that just says ask your sister slash
2: my mom (laughs) Uh, so she says well i come from the village of cream puffs which from a ways off looks like a little hat you would wear on the end of your thumb
3: to keep the rain off of your thumb that is the least helpful description i've ever heard
1: (laughs) (laughs) my one time i showed my grandmother a, a miyazaki movie it was spirited away great movie
0: sure doesn't Uh, explain
1: its power system at all though i i i feel like it did not quite land with her (laughs) um her comment was i think he was eating too many red onions before bed which i i could also say of mr rutabaga here
2: (laughs) quite quite probably he might only eat red onions there
0: is a threshold for bedtime onions
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's a pretty low threshold too. It's very easy to trip over it. Tell us more, said one of the uncles. Tell us much, said another uncle. Tell it without stopping, said the third uncle. Interruptions nix nix, murmured the last of them. What
0: the fuck? <laughs> you motherfuckers got two questions and you wasted them. That's on you.
2: I I want to I want to uh end Enter the phrase interruptions nix-nix into the common lexicon for (laughs) I I need to hear the whole story.
1: (laughs) Would these, would these, Was it, three uncles, four uncles? Four uncles. Four uncles. Would these be the most insufferable holders of a magic lamp?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I can think of more. We might find one in a future rutabaga tale, though. Interruptions nix-nix is, is like, it's a phrase that sends your spine curdling <laughs> in a weird way.
0: It's a good username.
2: It is a good username. <laughs> it's it's one of those, like, beautifully horrifying ones. You know, the really ugly birds or fish, the, the ones that just look so strange and uncomfortable that they have now turned into cute and iconic?
0: We have called one of them blobfish.
2: I, I feel like this is the blobfish of phrases.
1: <laughs> it is the kind of phrase that at a holiday would make me think I'm I'm going to go sit in the bathroom alone for thirty minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's just, just to get some privacy. Start the timer.
2: That that is a phrase where it comes out of someone's mouth and you just turn around and walk away.
0: <laughs> so she does right.
2: No, she continues her story.
0: Stronger than I.
2: Uh, she says, it's on the upland corn prairie, many miles past sunset in the west, which is a terrible direction.
1: <laughs> are these, these are American, right?
2: I believe Sandberg is American. It is light, like a cream puff is light.
0: That's why we call it that.
2: Yeah, this was published in New York. In 1922. It doesn't sound like a rutabaga state to me. <laughs> I mean, you you go to New York to get publishing deals, so maybe he lived in Rutabaga country. It's like, wandered in with popcorn shoes and a, and a manuscript. By gum, I got a book. And it was the, the 1920s, so no one could drink, so this is about as close to getting drunk as you could get, so it was immediately published. <laughs> uh, the village is light like a cream puff is light, the winds play around it, and they sing it wind songs. These wind songs are seasonal and they change with each season. This is listed out specifically. I do a lot of summarizing for these tales, and you're welcome. Uh, sometimes, like an accident, the wind gets rough and it picks up the village and blows it away off into the sky. Where it belongs. Oh, <laughs> said one uncle. What? And um, mm, 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 said the other three. It these <laughs> She says, the villagers get that whole, the whole wind situation. We've lived with it for a while. If you go into the public square in the middle of the village, you will see a big roundhouse. If you took the top off the roundhouse, you would see a big spool with a long string. The village is fastened to it, so when the rough wind is finished having its fun, we just wind up the spool and bring the village back to where it was.
0: Stop it.
2: Don't well, do that, that anymore. <laughs> that answers the question of the title.
0: I don't care.
2: <laughs> he made a promise and then he fulfilled it. That's good storytelling. Oh, said one uncle and um, 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 um said the other three to this as well.
0: I am imagining all th- four of these men are dressed up as Tingle from The Legend of Zelda.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a very good call.
2: Uh, she continues her story. She says, sometimes you come to the village to see your little relation, the niece with four such sweet uncles. That's her. Uh, and she might lead you to the square and show you the roundhouse. It's called the Roundhouse of the Big Spool. I appreciate that, like, people and village names are just random bullshit, and then names of stuff is, is just extremely literal, but does have to be called out as a name. The village is super proud of it because they thought it up.
0: Rutabaga tales feel like an extra tricky reading comprehension quiz. <laughs> <laughs> Like, he just throws so much nonsense at you, and then at the end, he'll be like, so why was the squid there? Were you paying attention? <laughs> Mr. Sandberg, it is so hard to keep track of any of the words you say in any order.
2: <laughs> there are a lot of them, and a good number of them are made up. The uncle who said interruptions nix-nix now interrupts with a repeat of the second question about the two freckles. <laughs>
0: He needed more info.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's done with this story, so he interrupts it. And the girl says, "Well, when a girl goes away from the village of cream puffs, her mother puts on two freckles on the chin, the same as a burnt little cream puff kept in the oven for too long." Why? This I village is a
0: follow-up question.
2: <laughs> yeah, you only get two. Uh, this village is very thematically centered. Like they. They really leaned into their name.
0: They are proud of their cream puff nature.
2: It might be fun to live in a village like that for like a week.
0: Mm. Like <laughs> an afternoon. Mm.
2: <laughs> just just visit one as a tourist. Pass like through super and into look a at all the weirdos pastry.
0: and go about your day.
2: Yeah.
1: We would just watch a TV show about it.
2: <laughs> Can we have fun world building exercise where you like pick a pastry and build a small village culture that is entirely focused on that pastry. Uh, so the freckles are to remind the girl every morning where she came from. In case she forgets, I guess. Uh, when she combs her hair and stares into the looking glass. And also so she won't stay away too long. So they're insurance freckles.
0: <laughs> Only mothers can remove them.
2: It's like chipping a cat. <laughs> <laughs> So the weird uncles repeat their uncomfortable noises. And then they have a quiet uncle conference. Where they say, she is. (laughs) Yeah, finally, they're quiet. Uh, Their conference goes, she has a gift. It is her eyes. They're so blue like cornflowers and all of the other blue metaphors that they had repeated above.
0: These uncles are obsessed.
2: They love those eyes. I would be afraid to be around the uncles with that (laughs) I I would be afraid to be around the uncles in general, but like the focus on the eyes seems like very possessive. In you are a way not that, selling
0: me on these uncles.
2: Yeah, like I don't know that I would feel like I would be leaving the uncle visit with my eyes. <laughs> like, are they going to collect them? Yeah, what maybe, is?
0: Maybe the mom dots are to identify her later.
2: Yeah. <laughs> At the same time, Wingtip is saying to herself, I know for sure these are sweet uncles and I'm going to have a sweet time visiting my relations.
0: Has it been sweet so far, lady?
3: Girl, get out of there.
2: (laughs) And then the story ends. That's it. (laughs) That, I don't, I haven't read the next chapter. (laughs) I d- knowing what I know about Sandberg, it's not gonna go the direction that I would take this, which is a horror story <laughs> like this this reads like the intro to our horror story of a young girl visiting four eye obsessed uncles who have a collection of blue eyes in their basement and she <laughs> <main
3: is>. questions <laughs> yes,
0: one these uncles all live together,
2: yes. Two, yeah, they really two halves of her family.
0: Two, these uncles have all been banished from Cream Puff Village.
2: They're each other's family now. They're not even aware of Cream Puff Village, so maybe the mom... <laughs> like, maybe Wingtip's mom lived in the village of Liver and Onions and then had to get away from the uncles. Seems so like something ain't quite right about these boys.
0: About these uncles.
3: I have been imagining them in a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory grandparent's bed. <laughs> this whole time but four, that's fair in the tingle costume
0: yeah four four tingle uncles in a bed that's, that's
1: a good it it also feels like they were all asked to come up with like their own interpretation of a Willy Wonka character <laughs> to replace Gene Wilder
2: I'm gonna share They've with gone you gone in
1: equally bad directions
2: the illustration of the uncles
3: oh jeez
2: there's a lot of negative space in this picture <laughs> I don't know who the people in the two portraits at the very top of the picture are, but they look disapproving. My guess from the context of the story is that they're meant to represent the mother and the father, and the uncles underneath are the relations of that side of the family.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Her think... eyes are
3: terrifying.
2: <laughs> but they're so like, blue,
3: we imagine. Probably. Yeah,
2: in this black and white image. that like There's something about the way that the eyes are drawn that makes them they look I think empty it's,
0: <laughs> i think that they are too far apart also
3: they they are well because biologically she is prey <laughs> <laughs> so she, it does need to be on each side of her head and
2: the she uncles can do the all uncles have can you keep track of these uncles
3: yeah <laughs>
2: the uncles have big noses so they can sniff her out
0: <laughs> do you think her mom told her when she left like do not tell your uncles where you're from. And she just forgot that that was the one stipulation.
2: Don't lead them back to me. Do
0: not tell these uncles where I am.
2: I worked hard to get away. Why is she allowed to
3: visit them?
0: You are my sacrifice to the uncles.
3: How did she get here? She's much younger than I thought she was. (laughs) I thought she she was was... a young woman. No, she's she's a little
2: baby child.
3: How'd she get here?
1: I don't know how to present the thought I just shared. Yeah. Our our channel.
2: (laughs) That image looks like Carl Sandberg's brain.
1: We have a- this is what I- <laughs> this is basically what I've been
0: imagining.
2: I also would like to call attention to this girl's dress and the physics thereof.
0: <laughs> That's a lot of starch. I- I don't-
2: I don't know how it works. Because, like, the- the floral print dark part of the dress looks like a cape- Behind the skirt. But we don't see her legs. So somehow those things are sewn together. She's
3: not fitting through any doorways with that. <laughs> she is not.
0: I'm going to propose that these uncles are bats. And this picture is actually upside down. <laughs> because her pigtail braid things appear to be undergoing some gravity as well.
2: I'm gonna, I'll I'll. follow that. <laughs> that might also explain all of the negative space. The printer just, like, Carl Sandberg drew this to be upside down, and the printer was just like, that doesn't make any sense, <laughs> having not read the stories at all, and then flipped them over. The two uncles on the right look particularly terrifying.
0: <laughs> I do not care for the tallest uncle. His, and, his very spindly fingers
2: bringing. are concerned. Like, he looks like a villain.
0: The fucking Count Olaf-ass energy <laughs> that this man is exuding. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and the bendy over one looks hungry like he's going to eat this child <laughs> he's
0: taking a nibble of her hair
2: <laughs> yeah these are the worst uncles <laughs> hands down so i don't know if the next tale will continue on with a horror but i would use this as the beginning of a horror story do
0: you know if it at least continues with these characters or are we just done with them Let's see
2: i believe the characters get some of the characters get renamed uh gimme the axe shows up again oh boy in a title
0: because if we never see wingtip again i don't think this counts as a story (laughs) (laughs) it was just a single prolonged uncomfortable event
2: the next story on our docket when we eventually get brave enough to return to sandberg is how the five rusty rats help find a new village uh see i'm interested in that (laughs) great wingtip does show up in that one
0: okay good that means that she lived through At least this encounter with her uncles. She made it out.
2: Oh, the uncles are back also oh. in that one. They're still making noises.
0: I hope they get eaten by rats.
2: <laughs> Rusty ones. <laughs> Sandberg's a pretty good way to celebrate 400, but I don't think it's enough.
0: Yeah, this is a big occasion.
2: Especially when it just kind of like ends there for us to imagine <laughs> this this poor girl getting eaten by her uncles. So, the Discord has prepared something for us.
0: What does that mean?
2: Um, Probably only horrors and crime, knowing our Discord. But, from Ladybug on the Discord, we have written a dolnois story as a group effort. As a challenge, try and figure out where the author changes. Bonus points for every secret reference to a previous episode you find. So, the people of... The What the folklore Discord got together, analyzed the Dalnois tales up to this point for their tropes and nonsense.
0: And construction.
2: And then, like a generator, made their own. I have not read this yet. This is going to be the first cold reading I've done since college. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, and thanks to all of the people who have been supporting our show, some of you for like Six years or more. Almost a uh, decade. Yeah. Uh we definitely wanna to give you this uh this spotlight here and read this dolnois tale from the Discord.
0: A chance to dethrone the masters themselves.
2: Indeed. So it's almost like getting a dolnois, but with special flavor.
0: It's a modern dolnois that no one's ever heard before. Yeah. O- or will again. <laughs> Unless you re <really laughs> you- listen to episodes. <laughs>
2: As some of you do. Alright, are you ready?
0: As I'll ever be. Sh- yeah.
2: And these troublesome times, when savagery still reigns, there lived a king with quarrelsome neighbors. He had a daughter named Splendiferous. <laughs> she was splendid and fairous. She had a magic cat named Giorgio, who could spin around three times and summon a fancy feast and grow pretty flowers. Her mother had died in childbirth, and her father had remarried a terrible, horrible woman named Tara Bennett. <laughs> How she about the clothes, loose... though? Anything about the clothes? <laughs> we, might get, we might get some clothes descriptions. Uh, she was a loose woman and very pugnacious. Tara Bennett had a previous daughter who was as terrible in all ways as Splendiferous was wonderful. She was awful and wooden. Her name was a wooden fool, and her hair <laughs> was filled with termites.
0: I have a note already. Yeah, Terabinet should have been the daughter's name. We should have had like Terabina and Terabinet. <laughs> but so far, so good.
2: Yeah, her nose constantly drips sappy snot, and her words were as sharp as her thorny fingernails. That's a pretty good line. <laughs> She was jealous of Splendiferous's wonderful feline, who preferred her due to her ample climbing surfaces and the fresh, clean drinking water she carried due to her awful stepmother's treatment of her. Alright, so drinking water tears is another good detail. (laughs) Tara (laughs) deliberately coughed over anyone who said anything positive about the flawless, gleaming gleaming Splendiferous. She would make (laughs) eyes at visiting rulers and nobles, and if they rebuffed her attentions, she would send her a Mucilaginus' daughter Awodenful to poke them with her sharp talon nails. And when they protested, she would persuade the king to declare war on them for insulting her. A true reason for the or- overly quarrelsome neighbors was the pugnacious Queen Terebinette goading her husband and the neighbors into fighting for their for her own amusement. In despair, Splendiferous sobbed by the well, filling it to the brim. She couldn't believe her situation, wailing into the Wimbus, Why am I being treated so poorly when I am the prettiest and sweetest princess in the kingdom? Why doesn't my father, the king, see how awful his wife is? Oh, whoa. I hope that
0: she's drinking some propels or something. (laughs)
2: Electrolytes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, need those.
2: Three more drops slipped from her cheeks into the well and they spoke to her. Oh, lovely Splendiferous, you don't deserve this treatment. Soon someone special will arrive and your fate will be forever altered. A few moments passed, then a mighty column of water erupted from the well. Splendiferous scurried back, worried that the minerally water would ruin her lovely brushed finish. (laughs) As the water fell away, it revealed a gorgeous man with a wide, pleasant smile. He was larger than anyone she had met before, towering above her with a powerful aura. Good evening, young princess. You seem to be in distress. I am, Splendiferous cried, her voice Wavering through her tears, my stepmother treats me oh so terribly, and my sister, a wooden fool, has tried to kidnap my cat four times this week. <laughs> the man smiles, leaning out of the well to look her in the eye. Perhaps if I may, I would like to offer you a trade. your smile for your freedom.
0: bad trade,
2: ooh, yeah, this guy a fay. <laughs> Oh, no, Splendiferous wept. I simply couldn't. Without my smile, how will I ever find happiness? Oh, but you must, meowed Giorgio, sadly. Then the trade is done, the large man said oh, with okay. a snappy <laughs> stole her smile and vanished. So cats can be your uh, your intermediaries as cats an agent the whole
3: time. <laughs> <laughs> Off screen.
2: Yeah, well, that's a very dull no, thing. Yeah. The cat who, who who was, of course, there. Uh, all afternoon splendiferous wept bitterly her faithful little cat Giorgio spun in circles creating <laughs> patches of white lilies and violets he spun so much that a beautiful garden full of roses and petunias and an orange tree with seven white birds tweeting merrily sprung up but nothing could assuage her misery
0: Giorgio's just working on his own animal crossing island in the background <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired I'm of kidding. listening to these whales i respect it
2: that evening the king returned from his war and held a fine feast there were silver platters full of roast pea hens and fine bread that sparkled with bits of gold and pearls 100 different jams good Good. (laughs) you have to have jam in a dogma story is that huge
0: is that humanly possible in our world 100 100 different
2: jams jams. probably you can like mix and match some flavors i
0: guess if you're including hybrid jams
2: (laughs) Yes, of course you're including hybrid jam Which
0: is a phrase that I quite like Now that I've said it out loud
2: That's what I'm, That's how I'm going to refer to my interesting jam I have a, like a mango raspberry jam yeah. That's going to be a hybrid jam <laughs> I think if I If I had kitchen space to refer to A previous Gordy talking point <laughs> A jam shelf would be in order Indeed. I do love jam
1: It's big this year <laughs>
2: Uh, there's also a huge quiche adorned with an idyllic village scene made entirely of butter the tables were decorated with piles of fresh roses each of which had a tiny pink singing mouse in its center
0: did they come from the cat
2: i don't know if the cat made these the cat might still be working on this animal crossing island the king called for splendiferous to sit at the most grand table with him splendiferous loved her father most dearly and did as he asked he had a servant spring forward three chests, each more beautiful than the last, and filled to the brim with gowns decorated in pearls and diamonds and beautiful satin sashes. There's the clothes. Yeah. Uh they also brought two chests filled with dresses for her stepsister. I feel like I've maybe done Dolnois a disservice because this is about the level of of like clothing detail that I would include in a reading, mm-hmm. but it is a fraction of the <laughs> level of clothing. A fraction detail of her included. power. <laughs> In the original tales. Terebinette's daughter, who was jealous of the love the king had for Splendiferous, asked why she had only received two chests while Splendiferous got three. When he didn't answer immediately, she threw herself on the ground and had a tantrum so fierce that a huge puddle of sap formed around her.
0: And this is the grown stepmother woman doing this.
2: Uh, no, this is the daughter.
0: Uh, Did you say Terebinette,
2: I thought? Terebinette's daughter. Oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, the king bristled but turned to Splendiferous my beloved daughter you always you always receive gifts so graciously what do you think of your new gowns Splendiferous wanted more than anything to smile at her father and embrace him warmly but she remembered that the big man had taken away her smile <laughs> and could do nothing but hang her head the king started to turn red with anger and asked Splendiferous do you not like the gifts I brought for you as she watched him go- grow enraged, she could only weep quietly. And so <laughs> he very challenged operant. her
0: to war.
2: <laughs> the king finally leapt up, shouting, I have never seen such ungrateful children. You must both be punished terribly.
0: Do a war at each other.
2: <laughs> Thinking quickly, the evil and cunning Terebinette said, Throw the wicked creatures into the sea for their loathsome behavior for she knew that one daughter was much more buoyant than the other. <laughs> <laughs> Guards, the king yelled. Sea splendiferous and a wooden fool. They must be taken away and thrown in into the ocean at once. So the guard seized the two girls and lugged them to the sea, with the king and Terebinette following. The dozens of guards carrying splendiferous wet from grief and also strain at the weight, while the guard carrying a wooden full of sweat from the hundreds of splinters he was getting. <laughs> when they arrived at the shore, they boarded the king's private yacht, which was clad in gold and groaned under the weight of the diamonds and emeralds and rubies that encrusted it. <laughs> Once they arrived at the deepest, darkest part of the ocean, the king cried, Now, to the depths with you! And the weeping guards threw the two girls overboard.
0: I, I wish that the boat just simply broke in two.
2: <laughs> Splendiferous quickly sank beneath the heaving waves, but the awful and buoyant and wooden fool swiftly bobbed back to the surface. Look, like, a miracle!
0: Like a weeble.
2: Yes. <laughs> Look, a miracle, Tarabinet shrieked waving the handkerchief she had been pretending to weep into. Clearly a wooden fool is meant to survive. Raise her up at once. The guards reluctantly went to fish her out, except the guard who had carried a wooden fool who could not move and was left collapsed in the corner from the hundreds of poisonous splinters embedded in his skin. Poison as well. Yes. Uh, A wooden fool preened creakily, shedding many (laughs) more splinters. (laughs) Which the other guards dodged to avoid the fate of their poor comrade. I think that she's like a A porcupine?
0: She is a Pokemon.
2: Yes. (laughs) Meanwhile, Splendifora sank down, down, down. Oh, how far down she sank, leaving a stream of freshwater tears in her wake.
0: (laughs) In the ocean.
2: Yes. Oh, she cried in the ocean. How far down shall I sink? Never to see the surface again. Eventually, she reached the ocean floor where she sat and wept for days upon days. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Till she felt a delicate nibble at her foot. It was a shark, more than twice her size, with teeth made of gold and skin that shone like silver. He wore many gold-chain necklaces, and his <laughs> fins were pierced with rings of gold and silver and other precious metals with accents of precious jade and diamonds. I miss his Georgia, eyes... <laughs> <though>. <laughs> I, I do miss His animal crossing uh, village looks amazing, though. The shark's eyes were hidden by a pair of dark glasses. Oh, pardon me, the shark cried. I had to see if you were edible on account of my curse. I am requin' cool. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here for this shark. And he bowed like how a shark would bow because they don't bend at the middle like people do.
0: (laughs) He just does a flip in the water.
2: Yeah, a a cool one. A fairy tales with a Z-rad flip. (laughs) I am Splendiferous, Splendiferous said, and now I am trapped at the bottom of the ocean and will never see the surface again. How terrible, said Requin Cool, jingling his many adornments. (laughs) I may be able to take you to someone who might help, for you are far too heavy for me to carry up alone. But first, since you have hands, would you help me collect some of the many treasures that lie amongst the ships of this totally normal underwater ship graveyard? (laughs) Splendiferous then realized that she was surrounded by the cracked holes of many wondrous ships. Some were made of gold, others made of silver. One seemed to be made of grass, cracked in half with the faint hints of many treasures inside. Oh, many thanks, Requincool, That is the least I can do for your help! And so they headed off to hunt for the fabulous treasures. As they went along, they came across a ship that had been broken in half, and Requincool led Splendiferous to a ballroom. Though it was underwater, it was still a grand sight to behold. The curtains were made of taffeta and silks from the most exotic places, and the way they flowed in the currents only made them more beautiful. The chandeliers contained every gem known to man, and the walls were covered in mirrors framed in the finest of golds and silvers.
0: Presumably fully lit chandeliers underwater.
2: Yes, 100%. Uh, The only thing that could have made the room more wonderful is if there had been a partner for Splendiferous to dance with but alas, she and Requincool were alone here. <laughs> in the corner of the room, they found a pile of jewels that were only surpassed in beauty by Splendiferous herself. As she gently touched the jewels, something strange began to happen. Her skin started to tingle, first in her fingertips, then at the top of her skull. Startled, she began to ask Requin Cool what was happening, but the <laughs> calm look on his face assured her there was nothing to fear.
0: You're just having a stroke, dear.
2: It's fine. It happens to it's the best normal. of us. <laughs> Go on, he said. They are meant for you. Here, let me help. And he placed a necklace around her neck, where it began to immediately tingle on- as her skin became more tender to the touch. She looked down. I, I'm, and as she watched, spreading out from each of the jewels in her body, her ferrous exterior became the change to that of a gentle, supple woman. Wow. She hadn't hadn't realized it was what she needed until that moment but she knew then that she could never be more complete. And then she gasped. Her lungs. She couldn't breathe. Requin Cool seemed to know that this would happen and he immediately started swimming her to the surface. It was a long way and just when she thought she wouldn't make it any further she gasped a breath of air. Lying atop Requin Cool's back she glanced to the shore and there stood a man waving at her. Too weak to wave back, she simply stared and fearing for her life, the man jumped into the water and began to swim out after her.
0: How big is this man?
2: I'm not sure. She heard Requin Cool speak from below the water. I must go, my friend. This man will not understand. I pray you are well (laughs) on your journey. And then she felt him leave. No sooner had he left than the strange man arrived and grabbed her, dragging her ashore. <laughs> Looking into her eyes, he asked her what she was doing floating in the sea, and she burst into tears and told him all.
0: I like the verb dragging there as if by like a foot.
2: Yes. <laughs> Just
0: onto the beach. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the stranger was a simple man who knew very little of royalty and their woes. Still, he was moved by Splendiferous's story and brought her to his home to recover from her misadventure at sea. His name was Fitzwilbert Her- Okay, give me a moment here. fitz Trittoni, and he was the fil- village blacksmith. I feel like this name is specifically chosen to stumble my tongue. <laughs> fitz Frantoni allowed Splendiferous to stay in the empty room above the forge. The room was always hot and often smelled of soot and burning coal, but it was safe and kept out of the rain.
0: And no fitz wars Wilbert here.
2: Fitzwilbur Trentoni was kind but pragmatic and he did not let her live for free. Uh, Swindiferous had to work in the forge to earn her daily bread and work she did. Soon Swindiferous' thin frame became thick with muscle. Her shoulders grew wide and her biceps rivaled those of even the blacksmith himself. Jesus.
0: is undergoing <laughs> a concerning number of transformations given the time he like spent with her.
2: I can see a doctor about this. <laughs> what? You might not be okay.
0: Like, don't hold on to a mental image of her. You're just going to need to discard it for a new <laughs> one shortly.
2: Uh, Splendiferous paid little mind to her new musculature and strength until a wandering carnival caravan passed through, bringing with it many competitions and games and the promise of a grand prize to the strongest man to compete. She stepped up to the metaphorical plate, limbering up and then volunteering to swing a giant mallet onto a strength measuring device. She lived up to her name, the rippling muscles in her arms tensing as she brought the hammer down in one Splendiferous swing. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Splendiferous was in the middle of jumping for joy when a sneaky mouse suddenly ran across her feet. Her shrieks of joy turned into shrieks of surprise when the mouse, just as suddenly as it appeared, disappeared and was replaced with a man who was very sneaky and also a little sneaky. Sneaky Matthias! He was her favorite duck herder, and seeing him here was a great comfort.
1: I like sneaky (laughs) Matthias. Yeah.
2: Have you seen Giorgio nearby? Please! (laughs) Whenever Matthias was in mouse form, the cat was sure to follow. Unfortunately not, milady. It was at that point that Matthias found he was speaking to a watering can. This was rather unusual, as you didn't often make it a point to talk to watering cans. Not as a principle, of course, just out of habit. It's not like you purposefully avoided talking to them.
0: Milady, I find I'm much much the same, Matthias. I can relate. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, it was no use. Unbeknownst to all, Splendiferous had come down with a very grave illness. She had become a weretering can, forced <laughs> to transform every full moon. And even worse, there was no known cure. <laughs>
0: How many transformations are we at? <laughs>
2: Let's see. She was like what, some kind of diamond stone princess uh-huh. or something? <laughs> then a then real a flesh girl. <laughs> princess. <laughs> then a strong <laughs> flesh princess. And now a wear to can. so we're at 4. This girl lives the life of a horse.
0: <laughs> a true horse girl. <laughs> yes.
2: Splendiferous was despondent over her state and cried to herself until she had no tears left to cry, which, as she was now a watering can in the light of a full moon, manifested itself as water pouring out of her spout, revitalizing a few violets which had begun to dry up on a nearby windowsill. After a little of this, a voice came from the flowers. Be mindful where you're a watering little can. I fear I will be knocked off this windowsill and crack upon the floor, spoke the strange voice. "'Splendiferous clunked her way over to the windowsill "'and saw a yellow-white egg shifting nervously from side to side. "'That was a lot of water coming from your spout just then,' said the egg. "'What is troubling you?' "'Splendiferous explained to the egg about her troubles, "'culminating in her turning into a watering can by the light of a full moon "'and bemoaned the fact that she knew of no cure. "'A sad tale indeed, Lost Princess,' spoke the egg mournfully. But fear not, as I have been sat on this window sill waiting to hatch, I have made a wonderful friend who may be able to help you. The small drip of water, which had begun again after telling her woeful tale, stopped for a moment, and Splendiferous seemed a little less glum, if such a thing were possible, for a watering can. You have a friend who can help me? That's wonderful, little egg! The egg wobbled happily. My friend is none other than the mighty moon itself who calls me <laughs> to me to join it in the kingdom of the sky when I finally hatch from this frail shell. <laughs> from what you tell me, the moon is what activates your transformation, so it stands to reason that the moon would also have the power to release you from this terrible obligation. You know, the watering can obligation. Yeah, has
0: a werewolf ever just asked the moon nicely?
2: <laughs> that is a good point. Maybe the moon's just lonely. Just wants a friend, and that's just how it uh, tries to get attention—like pulling, uh, pulling hair on the
3: playground.
1: <laughs> Makes friends, literally.
3: All the moon yeah. wants is one day a month that it can have a friend. And all they do is complain <laughs> that they've been turned into a watering that's too can. Much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's too much for some people. A watering can is a perfectly noble thing to be for a day.
0: <laughs>
2: for a yeah, day. That's a nice fine. caveat.
3: Very functional. Yeah.
0: A lot of utility.
2: Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't seem to have a lot of worries. I feel like it'd be relaxing. Like as a wolf, you have all the hunger and stuff that you gotta deal with. And people angry at you.
3: And your pants ripping. Has
2: anyone ever been
0: angry at a watering can? Truly.
3: And she's crying no, all even the time when... anyway. So might as well put her. Yeah, It's a match made in heaven
2: Even when my fat bird watering <laughs> can Rusted I was just like man That's a bummer
0: You lived a good life watering can
2: I, st- I think it's still outside somewhere
0: R- Rusting further
2: <laughs> Why were you made of something that can rust <laughs> It was a bad, bad call Watering can but you d- You what? were at a thrift store and you looked like a fat bird And what? I just couldn't help myself
0: Water goes in you an awful lot watering can
2: Splendiferous considered this statement for a moment and realized it made about as much sense as anything else that had happened to her recently. Fair. Uh, So she decided to follow the egg's advice. You have helped me so much and yet I do not have anything I can give you in return. I don't even know your name, she said to the egg who was, I guess, mildly helpful. (laughs) Gave her an idea. The egg wobbled enthusiastically. I have no need of anything in return for I have the greatest gift of all. I am soul, child of Mort, the great Dodo, and when I hatch, I will fly so high that I can touch the very stars themselves. Okay. Nice to meet you. <laughs> it dawned on Smondiferous some that sometimes the kindest thing to say is nothing at all. <laughs> I feel like we've had an author switch at this point. <laughs> and she simply replied... That sounds like a marvelous goal. As for me, I know what I must do. I must travel to the Sky Kingdom and beg an audience with the moon. And so she did. She donned her pearlescent fine blue velvet slippers that were embellished with crystallized dewdrops and the feathers of white doves and newborn albino peacocks formed two delicate wings on the heels. These shoes had of course been gifted her by her third cousin twice removed, the lesser fairy Etoline, and had the most wondrous power to grant their wearer the ability to fly. This is some good Dolnois, <laughs> Darkest Hour Fairy, Deus Ex Machina bullshit going on here. I assume she's also transformed, like the sun's up or something. She's turned back into a people. No, I'm
0: just imagining a watering can wearing this.
2: <laughs> wearing those shoes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then she pulled from her gossamer corsage the most rare and graceful silver flute, about as slight as Splendiferous' darling little finger. Not the one that lifts. uh, But still intricately engraved with the loveliest of pastoral scenes of soft, youthful lambs frolicking in fields covered in every flower known to man, while swarms of dazzling exotic birds danced to the air and angelic shepherdesses were courted by bashful but striking young cowherds. (laughs) It's a good flute. It's a lot of stuff going on on that flute. (laughs) As she carried this ethereal instrument to her charming rosy lips a melody sprung forth that was so exquisite and made everyone within a thousand miles of her weep tears of ecstatic bliss and poignant melancholy
0: it was (laughs) all-star
2: this was the flute of mistral that had been in her dear maman's family for innumerable generations passed down from mother to daughter for eons ever since it had been gifted to their first ancestor by the goddess astraya and it was imbued with the power to summon a lavish rococo palanquin of silken feathery pink and golden clouds that shimmered with all the colors of dawn and decorated with garlands and ribbons and speckled with violet snow pierces and orange blossoms (laughs) to be carried by the gentle and gallant east wind zephyr himself
3: is that all
0: (laughs) is that all they've got i think we have another tell for the author switch also (laughs) like i feel like every individual author has one of these descriptive <laughs> like splurges in them and then they let it out so when we hear a new one that's a good indication that we're hearing from someone else now
2: <laughs> and so the fair zephyr carried splendiferous up to the gilt edged and glorious heavens just as he had carried psyche before her in the ancient <laughs> 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 Hats off to the cupid and psyche ref. But as she was flying through the air accompanied by delightful lo- flocks of elegant white swans, dainty swallows, and playful cherubs, her most evil and vile stepmother, Tara Bennett, had conspired against her with the help of the malevolent and beastly fairy, Calamitous, who was in fact Tara Bennett's sister. Oh no! Uh,
3: my brain does keep Whoa. auto-correcting Tara Burnett to Carol Burnett, <laughs> So That is who I am imagining this entire story. Yeah. Alright, we've cast the film. Yeah, they
2: Casting. Uh, With her teeth like bored tusks and her eyes alight with the dark corrupted fires of hell. The complete opposite of the pure and ardent fire of love, kindness, and compassion toward all beings, big and small, that burned brightly within Splendiferous' tender and brilliant heart. Her crooked hands rattled furiously as she rapidly shrieked curses and summoned forth the villainously wicked and violently-tempered Boreas, the destructive and icy north wind, a horrid creature in the shape of an old but mighty and forceful man with snakes for feet and holding a sinister conch shell. Yeah, we're in a new author.
1: (laughs) I hope they know that we're not paying them (laughs)
2: In a rage, he sprung forth, howling and blustering, to destroy poor, virtuous Splendiferous. He first struck Zephyr through the heart with an icy spear, then he crashed into her palanquin with reckless abandon and a furious strength that disintegrated the jovial clouds and sent Splendiferous tumbling down in a swirling whirlwind of anguish and despair. Thankfully, with his dying breath, the loyal Zephyr was able to slow Splendiferous's fall, landing her gently on a bed of pansies in a clearing in a forest. There she lay, as beautiful as the day, and when she came to, she looked around herself, saw her precious flute in pieces, saw the broken wings on her magical shoes, and as she realized how dire her situation was, she began to weep bitterly.
0: (laughs) So it is daytime now. Yeah. Not a watering can anymore.
2: No. Regular crying girl. Story of her life. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. Literally. Now I won't be able to fly up to the heavens to visit my godmother, the Fairy of the Moon, Sierra La and beg her for help in my quest. I might as well die this very instant, for my torment will surely never end.
0: Might as well.
2: And as she cried, her cat Giorgio... Yes! Just shows up, I guess, and tries his best to liven her spirits, kissing and cajoling her and spinning around so much that he made himself dizzy, summoning fragrant bouquets of unimaginable beauty and delicacies from far-off lands, roasted quails and pheasants, extravagant cakes, candied nuts, dates, apricots, and peaches so sweet they could cure any ailment and rejuvenate your beauty and youth to its prime. So a hell of a cat. All my cat does is sleep on me. <laughs> Damn. All my cat does is crime. <laughs> <laughs> she spent too much time with Tyler. Yeah, well taught. <laughs> but Splendiferous remained inconsolable. She cried and cried for three days, and three nights she cried, neither sleeping nor eating, until, on the morning of the fourth day, the prince of the land was wandering through the forest, and as he came upon Splendiferous and saw her tear-struck streak face, he was immediately struck by her immeasurable beauty. And grace
0: do we think that all those gifts from georgia was just excess in his inventory that he had to offload from his <laughs> island
3: i've sh- taken so many trees yeah. I, just, I, just I can't fit crap.
0: any of this shit anymore you take it
3: had to make room for scorpions yeah
0: <laughs> stock markets tomorrow
3: emboldened by her
2: intense gorgeousness and i do have to emphasize here also swole muscles yes
0: I presume uh, those are I, still there.
2: I assume so. They haven't been mentioned for a bit, but I, I'm still imagining her with like blacksmith biceps. Uh, but still very delicate fingers because those have been mentioned. How, how concerned small for, are
0: her eye muscles?
2: I don't know. But they're, they she uses probably them. Probably pretty often. puffy. <laughs> I feel like you could get some some fun shapes language out of this princess design, though. <laughs> You got some good thicks to thins going on in the arms.
0: (laughs) Bonus points if you can make her resemble a watering can in her human form somehow.
2: (laughs) Yeah. That's that's your, uh, your guideline. Put it on your mood board before you start the design. Um... So emboldened by her intense gorgeousness and concern for her fate, as he knew the forest to be full of wild and ferocious dodos, the prince approached the lady and cried, "Oh, beauteous maid, I have but just laid eyes upon you this minute, but I can tell by your face and looks you must be of noble birth. Pray tell me once, at once, your name and how I, a humble but extremely hot and wealthy prince, may be of service to
3: you." Pickup artists. <laughs> <I was crying. laughs> the game. Leave her alone. <laughs>
2: Upon saying this, the prince threw himself at his feet to show his, ins- his sincere admiration for her whole general vibe and his willingness to do whatever it took to convince her of his worth, whether material or in character. <laughs> in his heart, of course, he hoped that she would be more impressed by this, my material goods as he suspected he might be wanting in intelligence uh, and character. At least that's what his philosophy tutor used to mumble during their lessons while sighing heavily and taking increasingly long sips of his wine. Uh, we're back to a different author, I think. <laughs> Great Uh, Splendiferous was startled in the extreme Her being addressed by another human creature Particularly a man with whom she was not previously acquainted And at first turned her head and refused to speak a word to him At length, however, the prince was able to convince her of his kind intent and noble lineage Through his gentle manner of speaking, his grace of movement And the clear evidence that he never skipped leg day
0: I hope at some point in this story And... It's not a high hope, but I hope that we go beat up that smile burglar. (laughs) I haven't forgotten that, man. I'm
2: glad you had, because I have. (laughs) The prince, whose name was Pistris Elang (laughs) Elegancior, then led (laughs) Splendiferous to a great and noble castle. Surrounding the castle was an enormous moat whose waters sparkled brightly in the sunshine, but yet were clear enough to see all the elegant and graceful creatures who swam therein and called the place their home. Such a display of colorful fins and bright scales, the splendiferous could scarcely have imagined ere now had, had she an eternity, but to ponder. Sorry, such a display of colorful fins and bright scales, the splendiferous could scarcely have imagined ere now had she an eternity to ponder. Were found frolicking and splashing in those crystal waters. As they crossed the moat, the creatures bowed within their watery home and seemed most glad of the prince's arrival. Splendiferous longed to ask Pistris the meaning of the creature's behavior and how they came to surround his castle, but her natural shyness prevented her. (laughs) Alas. Yes. (laughs) Indeed, as they entered the castle and Splendiferous beheld the magnificence therein, she began to worry that her dirty clothing and tear-stained cheeks might not be worthy of a man who commanded such treasures. Such concerns were groundless, however, as the prince had already made up his mind that she was gorgeous, but out of concern for her comfort, he bade his servants prepare a bath, a private chamber, and some clothing worthy of her hotness.
0: The man appreciates biceps.
2: Yes. Once Splendiferous was clean and dressed in the finest of gowns, she began to feel that she might venture some questions to the women serving her as to Prince pristress's character and relationship status. <laughs>
0: It's complicated, they say.
2: (laughs) (laughs) A-S-L. The prince's servants' hearts grew glad at Splendifers' questions, for the prince had been away for many years, and the king had been long afraid that he and his wife would never have any grandchildren to spoil and teach the arts of war. (laughs) The servants dressed her in splendid gowns spun with thread made of starlight and gilded with silver from the mines of the moon fairy. They draped her in great jewels of all colors that glittered like the sea on a sunlit day. They combed her hair into a bright shine and fixed it into the most stylish of coifs. Her face, of course, glowed brightly without any enhancement and was worthy of the finest gala once it had been washed of dirt and tears. It's a
0: surprisingly consistent cadence when we enter new segments. (laughs) (laughs) we get our establishing details and then we get the list
1: (laughs) wonder if the different authors knew what the other parts of the story were about
2: i have a document on the making of yeah we have bonus features afterwards (laughs) got it um they led her to the prince's best dining parlor which had three chandeliers of silver copper and gold mirrors framed in gold increased the light from dozens of candles uh, from the dozens of candles hung on them couches of the softest velvet adorned the which richly panelled walls such finery however could not compare with Splendiferous's beauty as she entered the room P- prince pistris beheld her and gasped it's you you are the one who saved me from my curse Splendiferous stared at him but could not recall ever meeting him I beg your pardon, your highness, but I do not know you. Could you start a long, in-depth flashback to explain your (laughs) circumstances? I was a little afraid we weren't going to get one of these. (laughs) We'd been a little long in the story without a completely different timeline. (laughs) Alas, we are too close to the end of the story and the authors want to stop writing. I shall summarize.
0: (laughs) Spoke too soon, Carmen.
2: I know. The evil fairy Calamitous or whatever her name was, <laughs> made advances upon me. <laughs> but I was literally 15 and it was weird, and I refused her. In a rage, she cursed me to remain a shark until a splendid princess came to me in the bottom of the ocean and helped me find the ancient treasure of my family that we had long ago lost when my great great aunt's cousin's fiance's childhood friend's portraitist's favorite <laughs> client borrowed it. <laughs> to go and press a princess and died when a storm shipwrecked them on the way there. I had nearly lost hope of finding any princess at the bottom of the sea, let alone a splendid one, when I found you. I have loved you ever since and sent out my messengers to all corners of the earth to find you and nearly thrown myself off the tower seven times in despair when they returned with no news. But how could you not recognize me when you found me in the forest, she cried. You were dressed as a common blacksmith in the forest. (laughs) She nodded. Of course, no one could be expected to recognize another if they were not dressed in the clothing of their station. (laughs) Also, you're super jacked now. We have got to trade protein tips. (laughs) (laughs) Blushing furiously, Splendiferous pressed a hand to her lips. Your Highness... Much as I would love to trade protein tips with you and spot each other as we lift weights, I promised my godmother, the fairy of the moon, that I would never do so with anyone who was not my husband. <laughs> <laughs> Did we read that part? <laughs> no. Well, the godmother has been, like, mentioned in an aside. No, We've i have not met I, her. I
0: recall the godmother.
2: Yeah. We haven't met her.
0: And neither, I presume, has <laughs> Splendiferous. Though a yeah. promise has been forged between them somehow.
2: Yes. The prince wept bitterly at this news, for he too had made a promise to his mother that he would marry her goddaughter. Though he had never met this lady, he doubted that she had ever lifted anything heavier than a diamond encrusted lapdog in her life. Only the strangest of fates could have led to anything otherwise. Suddenly, the cat Giorgio popped out. <laughs> Started singing in melodious harmonies, which I assume is the noise that you just made. Yes. <laughs> then, G- the <laughs> <laughs> then the cat was lifted. George's
0: inventory is full again.
2: Then the cat was lifted in the air as if by invisible hands and began to glow with an ethereal light, like an aurora borealis, projecting wonderful, wondrous scenes of myth and story on the walls of the dining hall. <laughs> this cat rules. <laughs> Splendiferous and Pistrus gazed in amazement, and when the light resorbed and they looked back, a mighty statuesque woman with lusciously curled golden-blonde hair and eyes that sparkled as if they'd held entire constellations stood before them. She was wearing an extravagant gown of blue gossamer and silk and a gigantic, ornate crown of silver, encrusted with a million jewels and diamonds. She started speaking with a soft, velvety voice. "'Fear not, children. I have returned.' It is I, Sierra Le the Fairy of the Moon. I spent the last 16 years completing my trial of the cat to become more powerful than any other fairy in history. (laughs) While at the same time pulling the strings of fate to get you two, my beloved son and dearest goddaughter, together. For you were destined to fall in love and get married. And now that we are all together, I have something for you, Splendiferous. And with these words, she pulled out a small chest of intricately carved ivory depicting the story of the blue bird by the renowned poetess and storyteller, the beautiful and virtuous, incredibly smart and cunning, Madame Delnois. As she opened the chest, she said, this chest contains your smile, dear child. I know it was stolen from you by none other than my ex-husband, the evil man for the well. <laughs> I, I like to assume that that's his name. Yes, Like his birth name.
0: <laughs> his full title. And then he just had to lean into it.
2: Yeah, But now that I'm the most powerful fairy of all time, I was able to get it back for you.
0: I'm going to assume that she beat the shit out of him.
2: (laughs) Yeah, probably. Because that
0: was my wish.
2: And just like that, Splendiferous had her smile back, and that very same night, the kingdom (laughs) held the most extravagant wedding in the history of the entire Happy Isles. The Beach Boys (laughs) played their timeless hit Kokomo, and everyone was merry and joyful, and nothing bad could ever happen again. But alas, nothing gold can stay. And as Splendiferous and Pistrus stepped out of the church, thunder clapped and lightning struck. And out of the wet, tumultuous darkness, Terribinet and Calamitous appeared. They pointed their bony fingers toward the young couple and uttered with one raspy voice, "Hey, fuck you!" And in an instant, everyone in attendance was transformed into an orange tree. <laughs> The queen fairy Sierra Laloon, wept bitterly, but sadly because Calamitous was 3 months older than her, there was nothing she could do to undo her evil spell. <laughs> and that is how the Happy Isles became the world's premier orange producer and exporter. The end.
3: Carol! <laughs> Carol! We don't even get Giorgio at Florida. He's gone. Well, Giorgio was the, the fairy That's what I'm saying I don't want her I want Giorgio We want
0: Giorgio
2: Yeah that was a beast transformation If ever I saw one <laughs> Like who's this f- bastard You're
0: downgrade
2: <laughs> Even Belle's animation looks disappointed
0: <laughs> I feel like that right. last bit was a gift Specifically to me
2: Yes <laughs>
0: it Seemed like
1: it
2: To make up for the bee in the orange tree It's like, everything is orange trees now, Tyler. You're welcome. (laughs) As it should be. I wonder if one of those orange trees turns into a watering can at the full moon. Because that was never resolved.
0: (laughs) It's fine. That's how the orange trees stayed watered.
2: She'd turn into a watering can and weep, and that's that's why it's so lush there. What
0: were you going to say, Gordy? It wouldn't be a real story if everything resolved. That's true. That is true. You gotta leave something for the reader.
2: Did we get all the the good dolnois hits? I feel like we we yeah, got most a, of them. Yeah, like
1: everything that's like comes to mind.
2: We went to like eight thousand different places. We had a lot of characters spring up out of nowhere.
1: Uh, could have been more frame story layers.
2: Probably, yeah.
1: That would be another two or three wouldn't hurt. So we had that would be my
2: one critique. Not enough, like random backstory we had some
0: people on the brink of sadness death but nobody actually died of sadness
2: i don't know that dalnois actually killed someone off of sadness. did
0: the ram die of sadness
2: oh yeah never mind <laughs> episode one <Yeah. laughs> my bad that was 400 episodes ago <laughs> i can't be bothered to remember
0: and then again somewhere in the middle there i forget which one yeah <laughs> maybe 200 <laughs>
2: Yeah, I don't know. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of weeping and a lot of gold and ivory and jewels, so that's very, very good. Um, I am a big fan of the shark. I'm glad that he was the prince in the end. (laughs) I'm glad that one guy with that name didn't last for very long, (laughs) so I didn't have to say the name very often. (laughs) I think my, yeah, aside from, like, could use more random backstory... And uh, my only other, like, critique of this would be, even written by a number of different people.
0: It's too coherent. I feel
2: like, yeah, this was more coherent than the Dull naw story. Like, the events kind of followed in a, and what passes for a logical order.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that this is better than every Dull naw story we've read, and that is not a compliment. Somehow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it, it followed a, a good path. The, the characters
0: um, are too memorable
2: <laughs> the events too sensible which just it really just speaks to donnoire's power mm-hmm. that it cannot be matched by even like an exquisite corpse style <laughs> surrealist game of writing specifically trying to imitate her like she is she is too mighty to touch but this is an incredible story. I love that shark so much.
1: <laughs> Shark's very good.
2: I almost feel like the the man, we've got a lot of like downgrade transformations to to just regular man and fairy.
0: Mm-hmm. Who voices the shark Carmen? You get to decide.
2: Oh, I'm no good at this one. I, who would I don't know who would voice the coolest shark in existence?
0: <laughs> Brad Garrett. Who would you want to hear out of a shark's face? Jack Black. <laughs> well, he did already do it, so he's practiced.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Do you have any suggestions?
0: Not for the shark. I was going to do Giorgio.
2: Yeah, please do Giorgio. Brad Garrett.
0: Uh, Giorgio and, I by extension, the fairy at the end. Same voice? Yeah. Well, voice for the cat and then physical appearance for the fairy. Okay. And it is, of course, Aubrey Plaza. Perfect. The classic. The classic
2: yes who is this person that you are suggesting Gordy? i'm not familiar with the name
0: ray romano's brother yeah oh <laughs> but not real brother tv brother
2: <laughs> okay yeah
1: tv tv brother tall tv's brad uh, garrett tall tall man
2: i TV's. i accept that uh, so would you like the making of special features Or do you have more that you'd like to talk about Within the story itself
0: No I gotta hear these Uh
2: So this text was written as a group project They discussed the opening scene, characters, and possible plot points Then rolled the dice to see the order In which people would write their sections um, When you finished writing your section You made all of your text white on uh, With a white highlight With only the last sentence left As a regular black text on a plain <laughs> background So yeah very exquisite corpse <laughs>
0: so I, yeah, also I, think, reported- I think you are correct in when you called out um the author switch it well that's a very noble goal but i'm gonna write <laughs> about something entirely different
2: uh you also reported back to the group discord any new characters met in your section and the location setting your section left off the idea is to leave the next person with exactly the information they would have they walked in on the last sentence of the movie and you paused it and left the room <laughs> After the last individual author, we met for a read aloud, and then came to get came up with a few plot points that would tie the whole thing together, and wrote the final scene, trading off as a group. Uh, so all together now, they did the, the beginning part. They hit the we- wereturing cat can <laughs> plot point, which apparently wasn't really thought, uh, and the wooden daughter and Ferris daughter floating versus sinking. Uh, they did not touch the idea of the cat joins the club with a horse who was turned into a bell. <laughs> Okay, so we had a lot of author switches mm-hmm. through this. Uh, we had. Do we
0: have a full credits list?
2: Yes, we have Anna, book cultist, wrote the section wherein uh, Tara Bennett would cough over anyone who said anything positive, up to um, the drops of tears talking to her. Leo, literary menace, did the big man in the well.
0: Good job on that, big, big man.
2: <laughs> Ham slash Haley. Did the trade and the ungrateful children, uh, where they were going to be thrown into the ocean? Erica, the fits of wibbles, did Requin cool? <laughs> so the, the under the water sequence with Requin cool. Uh, Lily, ladybug, of, uh, Lily of ladybug fame, did the Requin cool ballroom scene and transformation and the strange man. Kobe, uh, a one Kenobi, uh, did the- uh, is responsible for the name Fitz Wilbur Trentoni, Tr- <laughs> the village blacksmith, and uh, the carrot like, introducing the caravan. Heather, uh, frackiest of fires, did the um, duck herder showing up, and the wear can. <laughs> Kim's Jay, a confused wizard, uh, did the egg sequence. Bambi, Kid Catherine, Le Jumel de Barneville, Baron Chaos, uh, did the, like, the long, the description of the pearlescent fine blue slippers. This was the most Dunwanian, like, (laughs) description, I think, where it got so deep into, (laughs) into the, like, various details of all the things. Um, Did the the Zephyr dying, uh, the cat showing up again, and all the way up to crying, and the prince showing up. Sarah Marie de Floof did the whole, like, Pistris Fertilion Elegancior. Pistris means shark in Latin, as well as being a funny As well as having piss in it. For a yeah, toilet which, quota,
3: <laughs>
2: so it's pulling double duty. Very clever. Um, uh, and introduced the castle, and the asking of the questions, and then everyone worked from the the questions to the very end.
0: They just trading every other word.
2: <laughs> yeah, every, every other sentence or so. So, well done, done, all all involved. See if I can find, at the beginning of one of these, the line where I called out a a scene transition. (laughs) No, I was wrong. (laughs) That was was not a trade-off point.
0: The noble goal.
2: Yeah. So, to the Discord, thank you so much for that story. Absolutely. Uh, If you ever want to take on this challenge again, let me know. Uh, I, I will issue the challenge to you to do not necessarily the most dumb law story next time but the most what the folklore story <laughs> that you can think of
0: that's for episode 500
2: yeah you, you got you got 500 episodes to come up with the most what the folklore po- or uh, another 100 that's how math <laughs> <Yeah>. works right <laughs> we'll do 500 another more episodes. to get to episode
0: 500 yeah <laughs> full reboot of the show
2: yep (laughs) we're starting over
0: we've learned a lot over these almost 10 years
2: so thank you so much for providing this tale to us never before heard i hope we did it justice for you (laughs) thank you to everybody for listening to the show for 400 episodes impressive terrifying um we're so happy to have done this we did not expect anything like this when we started (laughs)
0: Thank you, little Jerry, for exiting my brain for tax purposes.
3: Thank you for allowing me to.
0: (laughs) And for joining us on this episode.
3: It was great to have you. Thank you. It's nice to have the mic for one. (laughs) Not just the tiny one in Tyler's brain.
2: Uh, Thank you to all of our patrons for supporting the show for so long. Uh, Thank you to our top tier patrons. Realistic Duck, Badger McGee, Five-Headed Snake God, Allison, Frog Whisperer, Lucky, Lord of Dragons, Biblio Princess, Omens and Yemen's, Midori, Becca, Lobster No Longer, Haley Revolution 2024, Kid Chaos, Knight of Del Noir, Champion of the Rutabaga, doing kick flips off her fairy skateboard, also Haley, I guess. Awkward, Happy 400, y'all, I'm planning on eating the cakes so that I'm stuck here forever. <laughs> Funky Little Strawberry, Lemur, Spaghetto, Caitlin, an incredibly lost and confused crypto scammer, <laughs> your girl, Olwen, Allie has been well behaved with her name until now. <laughs> Knife dead. That's <laughs> ominous. <laughs> Knife dead. <laughs> Copus cat. Shocking how quickly the plains become a beach and then a shore. She walks along the water's edge, listening to the waves. Versus me, rated top four hundredth for sona design ever. Hi cricket. Pyrus Nathan the Scot, a secret brother who gives birth to dolls. Hi Lysdis of Wimbus. certain man, a dubious little creature, and I'm your storyteller Haley. <laughs> A.O. the nightmare, Lily, Izzy, and also Jenna. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll do one more try to get the intern to speak into the mic. She Hold on. Let me get this down to her. Doesn't level. she
0: understand it's a special occasion?
3: There's a the 400th episode. I apologize for the random noises. My mic cords all tangled.
2: Well, maybe some of that is cat. <laughs> apologies for your editing tyler (laughs) she's very good at walking away from the (laughs) mic (laughs) this is why she won't ever get (laughs) important promoted and uh thank you always doug
0: thanks doug thank you
1: doug
2: we're what the folklore and that's how it works Laddy, the hattie hook, the hattie hook, happily
0: ever
2: after. The laddy, the hattie ho, the hattie ho, the hattie ho, the laddy, ho, happily ever after. The laddy, the ho, the
0: princess, she walk happily home. The laddy, ho, she live happily ever after.
1: This has been What the Folklore. Thanks for listening to our show. If you have story suggestions for us, please send them to wtfolklore at gmail.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Special thanks to the Brobdingnagian bards for the use of their song Happily Ever After from their album Brobdingnagian Fairy Tales. If you enjoyed our show, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts.